0: Delivering all the news, the informed views and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by theracetalk.com. This is On The Grid. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on, including the Shell Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way. We'll wrap up everything that happened down at Albert Park. Over the last few days, what a massive four days of racing it was down there. We'll do that with Richard Crowell and Mark Walker very shortly. Some great stories to tell as well. Also, Tim Robson, who will be driving in the Bathurst 6-hour this weekend, Easter weekend, will join us to have a chat about that and much more right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, time to catch up with the blokes that help me bring this show to you every week. First of all, our F1 commentator, Richard Quayle. Hello, Richard. Uh,
1: you yay. Say that as many times as you like. <laughs> what a Because <laughs> <wake up. laughs> yep, yep, yes, it's true. Got to lean well into the skid, don't you?
0: <laughs> Great job, mate. Well done. Mark Thank Walker, Good day to you.
1: Yeah. F1 photographer, Mark Walker. He is L- too good. Allegedly. F1 photographer, Mark well, Walker. Well, they, they, I they saw you really, on the podium... I saw you with your big lens there with all the world's best photographers taking your picture of the podium celebration. You were there with the elite of global motorsport photography, my friend. Yeah. No, I'll I'll take that clerical error. Thank you. (laughs) It was very well appreciated.
2: (laughs) But uh, what a thing. How about Albert Park, Australian Grand Prix? Good grief. It is, like it Melbourne is does events, doesn't it, Chebecs? It's just yeah. ridiculous, mm-hmm. this
0: place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is massive. And we've been to different things ourselves, whether they be here in Australia or overseas, and we've seen different events and been backstage and, and looked at that as well. But the F1 GP's up there with anything in regards to what happens off the track oh. as much as what happens on the track. I yeah. mean, just walking through that paddock and seeing the stars of F1 and all the F1 champions that walk through there and all the... The Kylie Minogues and all that sort of stuff—it's just out of this world.
1: Yeah, yep. At an event where Eric Banner can be just mingling with the crowd and wandering through like a punter—you know things are pretty large, right? And that's a true story. I yep. saw him just at a at a crossing, and I yelled out, "Go the Saints!" and he put his fist up. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that that it's it just—it it, it was amazing, wasn't it? It was a a scale of an event that australian motor racing hasn't seen for a while and we all thought last year was extraordinary and it was but last year was extraordinary because it was the coming out of COVID incredibleness mm. um like that we, we we've gone beyond that now Th- that this was amazing because it was just amazing yes uh, and, and it's very hard to put a, a finger on any one thing that did it but just the 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 factors that all came together to generate that number of people and the show and everything around it was extraordinary does a tv program like drive to
0: survive is that the main reason why we're getting these numbers not just here but around the world
1: oh yeah but there's got to be more to it than that i mean it's definitely brought a casual fan into formula one that wasn't there before for sure. But like you look
2: at the, the polish that's been applied to that event since Liberty media came on board mm. just the last few years, it's just been incremental. It's not that has been a, a big evolution, just the effort that goes into the Melbourne walk, which is something that's very much uniquely Australian. Like that's not something that happens overseas, the fan forum, all these little bits of fan engagement that they had along the way. It just, it's all this value add like the Melbourne mm. walk. There was a sprint on every morning when they'd open the gates at 8.30 and 9 o'clock, whatever it was. They'd open all the gates simultaneously. Mm. And they'd obviously scanned a whole heap of people and given them all the scan and everything else that they have to do to get through the gates. And they just hold them there until the gates are supposed to open. And you see them just sprinting from all corners of Albert Park. You want to be at gate one. Tip for Mm. young players next season, next year, you want to be down at gate one because that's the shortest way to get to the front row at the Melbourne Walk. But it's just... Incredible and on the crowd, I mean it, it, there was just no more space. like I mm-hmm. walked around that whole track three days there and there wasn't space for people else. You look at the track invasion Rich, you kind of alluded to it in your call. It happened right in front of you. your commentary yeah. box was where that happened. yeah
1: what, there, what there did w- you see? There what were people happen? there were people coming through the TV the commentary box compound. Mm. To get to get in because it's a sneaky way into the track because directly in front of us was was pit exit and an opening in the fence. Um, yeah, yeah, it was that was bonkers and there were people lining up in that when the safety car went out of pit lane mm. to to drive to for that last one lap um, to the checkered flag. So, yeah, the whole thing was just vast. It was, it was vast from the moment you walked in. It was vast on Thursday when there were 60,000 people there and not a formula one car in sight. Um, and, but, but the other thing is boys, is that those they're knowledgeable people like, Mm. and, and you talk about the Melbourne walk when we got in quite early one morning that Robert Schwartzman, right. He'd never raced in Australia in his life has only ever raced on in categories in formula two and F3 that have never been shown on anything other than Fox sports here. So it's a a, a hardcore fan audience. And he was getting his name screamed out by punters on the Melbourne walk to sign autographs as Ferrari's third driver. Like that, that gives you an indication of how uh, how extra this sport has become. That Robert Schwartzman didn't have to go down the Melbourne Walk, PS. He could have gone in the tradies entry on the side. Of course he could, but bus, that's where he was <laughs> dropped <What>? off. <laughs> that's where the, all the teams were dropped off and all worked down there. And, and people called out his name. So, of course, he's going to go and sign autographs. It was um, even Lewis Hamilton did it on Sunday, which was pretty impressive because he spent early in the weekend – studiously avoiding the the Melbourne walk and and at no point went past it but um yeah on Sunday he he ran the ran the gauntlet as it is and um yeah it's uh it's pretty incredible and even even you know I I walked in from the car park with the 1996 world champion and the number of people going after him for an autograph as well was pretty impressive did you talk about pizza hut by the way I'll get this out of the way early (laughs) do you know (laughs) I don't want to give away too much, but we actually had pizza on Sunday night and it took a lot of willpower to not bring that up.
2: <laughs> <Ooh>.
3: <laughs> only,
1: be, only because it got brought up early in the weekend. It it, it was referenced in the oh, broadcast. Good. Tim McDonald from the Reserve Drivers brought it up and and Damon had a great laugh and explained how wonderful Murray Walker was, which uh, everyone went, Oh which is true. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. Uh, Mark, have you had an AVO taken out? On you by Lewis Hamilton? There seemed to be an excessive <laughs> amount of Lewis Hamilton photos in your uh, camera.
1: I'm obsessed. I, I get it now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is something Uberstar celebrity photographic but, about the bloke, isn't there? You know, having the, the full access to everything
2: this weekend, Yeah, people would give anything to have that sort of access. Uh, From my impression, going through the F1 paddock, that didn't do a lot for me. Mm. You know, just a bit of a grassy area with some trees. The back door to the it's very nice. It's, but it's you can't nice, see anything. but mm. I was the ugliest person there by a long stretch. Even progress. like the the tire technicians in F one, like <laughs> they're just male models. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if they could check a tire pressure, but they bloody everyone in there is just beautiful. And just oh, look, there's Zach Brown. I don't care. Like that doesn't really that do you a lot Bathurst. for <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like none of that really does anything for me. The front of the garage. The pits are all nice, but getting up close to the cars and just looking at the workmanship and mm. thinking that hundreds of millions of dollars are pumped into these cars to do one year, yeah, and then they're parked yeah. and then they're yeah. out. It's just yeah. mind blowing, isn't the, it? The Mark, funny the, thing is, oh, sorry, Richard, uh, go. no, go, backs.
0: I was going to say, Mark. The, the only thing that really surprises me now, when, whenever and and I've been a part of that for a while as well, not the last couple of years, is the cleanliness of those garages. Mm. They oh, yeah. are the cleanest things you will ever, ever, they're nearly cleaner than hospital surgery wards.
1: Yeah, yeah they are. They're, and they're beautiful. But the, the thing that I loved, and, and we were fortunate enough to go through Mercedes last year. Um, and the thing I did love was that for all the cash and for all the setup and the top secret rooms out the back where they do the fuel and things like that, the, The rear end mechanic on Lewis Hamilton's car when I worked through last year was swearing about the same stuff
4: that the (laughs) rear end mechanic
1: on a Tickford Mustang would be swearing about in supercars or old mate that works for GRM would be on a TCR car. And, and I, it was nice in a way to have that sort of reality that actually they're still just a race team.
0: Yeah. Amazing.
1: And race teams are fantastic, whether they're in Australian S5,000 or they're in Formula One, I love them, but um, but it was nice to have that little bit of a reality that ultimately they're just there to make racing cars go quickly for all the, the pomp and circumstance and branding and flashiness that goes on. Um, I love the fact that ultimately old mate who has to change a rear axle on a Mercedes Formula One car hates it in the same way that
3: yeah. someone who has
1: to do a diff change on a supercar hates his life as well, which is cool. You know, the, the grid walk, I don't know, I don't really do
2: grids. They're a bit of a pain in the bum. There's just too many people there and I that didn't really do anything for me. I found it interesting that they because there's just so many people and so much paraphernalia on the grid that they just shut the cars off and they push them from the back of the grid into yeah. their slot at the mm-hmm. before the start because it's just too hard. Um the the bit that I did really enjoy uh from that little bit there, I decided i'd go and shoot the podium i normally don't do podiums whatever but all the photographers were sort of lined up and they couldn't break in and they finally all broke in and we all got corralled underneath the podium more or less uh three or four laps from the finish Mm. just as the red flag happened (laughs) and then all the cars pulled up in front of us Mm. and the theater there of just watching how people were reacting how cool and calm Lewis and Max were. you could see Max was a bit disappointed that, mm. you know, that red flagged this race and he had to go again. He lost all his lead, and, but just watching the body language, the focus on Lewis, like just the facial expressions. And the, that was just incredible because you, you spend all your life watching these guys on TV and here they are in the flesh, a couple meters from you mm. and it's real. And Holy moly, like this is, one of the best drivers the world has ever seen and the intensity and the focus and mm. just the way that he just coolly goes about it. It was just, that was something pretty special. Mm. It was one Ferrari driver who
0: wasn't uh, that cool sitting in his car when he got told that he wasn't going to get a point.
1: Well, yeah. And that's, that's one of the many contentious things that will come out of, out of this year's Australian Grand Prix is, is you know, he got penalised for, something, got, that for something that, that, that technically didn't happen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like if a if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to see it, does it make a sound? So, um, yeah, it was a it was a strange, strange end to the Grand Prix. But there was one point, um, <laughs> one point after that last, um, the last red flag before they um, they went back out for the finish. Well, I, I, I live on national television. I basically just burst out laughing, going. How good! This is the best sport in the world. This is so good. How good's the drama? And just lost sense of my faculties for a minute because the way that unfolded was extraordinary. And and um, you know, the the first hour was manic. You know, the race start was so good when mm. George beats um, Max into turn one, mm. and then Lewis gets in front. And um, how they, did Lewis get across? Like I can't figure out how balls. he got up in the second ridiculous in testicular fortitude i think he just went, he just sent it yeah um and then and then there was the tantalizing prospect that that russell and a bunch of others pitted early under that that first safety car and went off sequence on strategy so we were going to have a decent strategy race and, and george wasn't going to win but it was it was going to make everything that was just going to make it a little bit harder for verstappen to dominate Um, and then the first red flag happened when Albon shunted, which was a real shame because he was magic all weekend in that Williams Mm. and dragged the thing into the top 10, which was awesome. Um, and crashed out of sixth place. And then everyone got on the hard tire and it was a bit deflating because that stupid rule where they're allowed to change tires Mm. under Mm. red flag, which I don't think should happen. Um, and everyone was on the same strategy, but we still had good Mm. racing and we had Piastri fighting with Sonoda in a really good battle. He had Perez carving his way through, Sainz carving his way through. There was good stuff going on, but it had settled down to be just another Melbourne Grand Prix, basically, with no real peril. Aside from a really good battle between Alonso and, and Hamilton, which wasn't wasn't them engaging in warfare, but it was pretty psychological between them. Every time Alonso would creep into DRS, Hamilton would respond. And, you know, the, these two grandmasters of the sport duking it out was pretty good theatre. But then it all went ballistic off the back of a really soft crash mm. where KMAG brushes the wall and, and it went mental and we had two red flags and the thing ran almost an hour over time. And our executive producer was madly ringing 10 news saying, um, you're not going to be first at five anymore. We're sorry. <laughs> you're going to be <laughs> second at six. There's, we're not, we're not cutting away from this cause it's, it's too good. Um, and, um, yeah, just uh, just extraordinary. Um, and, and the theatre of it all was was remarkable. And, and, and for all the confusion and the fact it finished on safety car, which I was really disappointed with, but ultimately it wouldn't have changed the result. Ultimately, I don't care because I think the drama and the, the way that unfolded all Sunday afternoon was pretty, pretty remarkable stuff. So
2: does that set the precedence of how we're going to run these safety cars at the finish from now on? We're going to chuck a red and do Mm. the hard reset? Because, you you know, people have a go at NASCAR for the overtimes that they run there and that it's not pure motorsport. It's taking mm. the mickey out of the sport, but it's what all these others pure motorsports want to aspire to is to have a grandstand finish that's why they went the red flag there in the weekend that's why indycar have chucked red flags Mm -hmm. at the finish of their races as well but by the same token you go back to coda the other week week with the NASCAR where they'd have these overtimes and everyone goes barreling into the first corner because last place can see first place and you yeah. can see a trophy on the line mm. which is exactly what happened there is that everyone was barreling into the first corner and going this is my big chance yep. it's all going to happen yeah. right here and it was yep. disgusting. I, I love the
0: idea of the red flags I haven't got an issue with it my only issue was though the second red flag the last red flag it was always going to it's happen on that 58 flag. to 58 yeah. so they were always going to come back out under safety car so why not just finish it there and then? I, I, I oh, don't understand no. why they actually brought him in for a red flag initially. And secondly, why they actually took him out under the safety car to finish it. It well, they, didn't make they, sense.
1: They had to. They had to because yeah. they had to get the order right. That's the problem. If they'd just, they'd just gone, oh, well, we're going to end it. It would have been a nightmare because everyone was out of the people out of position from, but if from they, that.
2: They just went safety car. Then there was still all that rubbish
1: on the road. There was only one lap they would have all had, lap, the would have the had to have driven through. Yeah, but but I my opinion is is that I I, I like the red flag, but I reckon there's got to be a point where you go no, it's too late. Yeah, and, and I I reckon so a fifty-eight lap race, I think lap fifty is okay. If we have a big shunt now, it's safety car, um, and and we only red flag it if it is undrivable in that area, oh, you see, or, I think, or I it's think... a serious, a really really bad. I, I disagree. I think the only time you should red flag it possibly is when you get to those last 10 laps well but the other the other option there shebex is that you don't have to do the standing start so that that's a race direction call so if that race had restarted with two laps to go behind the safety car it would have been okay they would have Mm. got to the end and we may still have got a good finish because no one knew what tire they were on at that point and the track was pretty dirty and you know everyone had been sitting around for 20 minutes twiddling their fingers looking intense so i i, I would suggest that, that the standing start restart after a red flag probably up to the final 10 laps but after that it's a safety car restart I, and i think it's a balance between the show and the the purity of it all right and if you've got 50 laps into the a 58 lap race leading i reckon you probably deserve at that point to lead the race Yep. on a restart and not have the peril of a standing start where you could. And Verstappen had not led him to turn one all day to that point. Yeah. So imagine if he'd made a shonky start again and wasn't leading. So I, I think by that point, you deserve the shot to get a safety car restart and you lead the field back to green and and have a chance to gap them. I I think that's the, the fairest way to to probably enforce it. Would it be nice if the FIA
2: took what you just said, put it in writing, you know, this is what we're doing, and take that race director discretion out of it, where you get these these calls that Mm. it was a bit uncomfortable, really, in hindsight, you know, make good TV.
0: Did Mm. anyone hear Michael Massey say, what's the difference? Um, They they sort uh, of were making it up as they were going along to an extent, weren't
1: they? But but all race directors do, and you have to. You, You have to take every situation as it comes and we've had james taylor who's race director to supercars on this show talking about that exact th- same thing in the in the past go and look at the archives for that but um yeah it's a tough one it's a tough one but the theater mm. of it all was extraordinary and uh, i i have no regrets for how that played out in the end
0: yeah well supercars <laughs> had to have a rolling start didn't they in their final race
1: oh this is oh, let's geez. get to some power rankings for a bit later on for yeah. that shall we? <laughs> But no, it was great. Um, it was a good weekend. It was uh, the, and, the weather.
0: The weather made it interesting. Yeah, I was working Especially with a bunch for of the
1: F two. And... I was working with a bunch of palms, and they're all complaining it was too cold. <laughs> it's it just
0: come out of winter over there in England. Yeah,
1: in. well, but it was. It was. It was nippy for
0: sure. Well, of course, boys. Formula One weren't the only action on the track. Uh, your thoughts on the F two and F three action? Is it something that we want to see every year again?
1: Yeah. Look, it was pretty good. Wasn't it? Uh, I, I I love F2 and I thought their races were outstanding. The, the feature race they did on, on Sunday was brilliant. Um, F3's opener was, was pretty rubbish, but they pulled it all together the, the next day. So yeah, the, the thing I was looking at for them was did, did they significantly enhance the program and i think they probably did do you need both of them i'm still not convinced you need both there um you're just gonna get both though aren't you you're not gonna you you are you are but but i liked i like i loved f2 and i I loved introducing the aussie fans to you know the the f1 drivers they're going to be watching at albert park in 2028 yeah so that that i liked um yeah but but from an entertainment point of view they were they were great and and the the number of people on the side watching them every morning and the grandstands were always decently full and you know the spectator hills are always full early because people map out their spots but you got a grandstand set you can come and go and there were a yeah. lot of people that made the choice to be there for those races so i think that's probably the the probably the endorsement they were looking for so it was the bloody entertaining for sure
2: i i think it's that. F1 crowd, that they're knowledgeable and they love it and they're buying into this whole sport, even if they're just newly introduced in the last few years. Mm. They want to see what you said, is that these guys are going to be the F1 stars of the future. And it's like, hey, I used to see them banging around an F3. Mm. I love the F3s. You can have the F2s. I'll have the F3s. I'd know whether it was just the depth in the field that there was – a few more cars out there it's certainly 30 of them yeah it filled the track it was i didn't so mind cool.
0: the sound of the f3s as well yeah they sounded Six angry the engines nice well, they sound like a cup car yeah, yeah they yeah, were so
2: awesome they sound like a porsche yeah and they and they were loose too there was some mad driving in that and it was uh pretty spectacular stuff good photography by the way mm. 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 Mm.
4: funny mm. about
3: that
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh supercars
0: also on track there was just a it was, it was a weird weekend. It was uh, a- look,
1: Shebex, it wasn't a good weekend for supercars. No, at all. But, but when they were racing, it was freaking excellent. Like if if that is Gen yep. Three on a fast, open, flowing circuit, I am here for that every day of the week because some of the stuff that went on was awesome. Yeah. Um, there was that exchange between the two co cars, the two Camaros. Courtney was in there. They were. 15 wide through turn five, like that genuinely great car racing. And, and it's still early days, but if, if gen three produces racing like that more often than not, then it is a, a success, but everything else about the weekend was massively scrappy. Um, the, the, and, and it was as if they were getting a taste of support category land, really, when even at the Grand Prix, they haven't had that before. Cause they've got their own pit lane and they do all this stuff, but I, I, the format didn't work. It was too confusing. Um, you don't need pit stops there. And and I know there's been stories since saying, oh, you know, it's part of their IP. No, it's not part of their IP. It's part of the current IP, but it's over complicated to buggery. And, and it is very, very difficult to understand and F2 and F3 as a format was so much more plain and easy to read over the course of the weekend. Four qualifying sessions is too much, Um, and the, the soft and hard tie thing. I just don't think you need it. Have faith in your no. product that you're going to put on a good sprint race, and lean into the sprint race thing. Why not? I, I don't, I don't understand why we don't just go. Let's just have a sprint round. Don't worry about pit stops. Leave half your crew at home. Make this the cheap round. <laughs> like I, I don't. Mm. I think we should just lean into that and just put on four really entertaining street races. And if this new car is as good as it seems to be in terms of a product then it won't be it won't be a drama so that that's what i'd like to see i I think it was overcomplicated, and then a whole bunch of different scenarios meant that the the show looked really scrappy but man when they were racing it was cool they
2: got shafted by being the fourth support category there but by the same token that took the attention away from all the negative aspects that if, if that was Newcastle that all these things went wrong, yeah, that's what we'd be talking yeah. about. You know? yes. we're, yeah. we're very lucky that we had a insane formula one race to take the intention yep. away from the V8s. You had the spontaneous combustion of the Mustangs, not yep. good. You had the hard and soft tires and the soft tires would last the whole race. Who thought that was going to be a thing that was going to happen? Mm. You know, were they going, well, there'll be a level of, of juggling here, and that first race was the longest one, and the guys yeah, just drove no them the whole bloody way. Yeah, then there was the shuffling with the wet tire races as a rolling around of the grid when half the grid's on hard tires and they yep. all got shafted. Yep, um, <laughs> so many little things like that. the um locking the um starters' lights so that to drop a national flag for one yeah. of the races, having the rolling starter wasn't a double
1: file rolling, starter, no. it was a
2: single file rolling, yeah, which starter. was stupid. what a disaster, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a really scrappy weekend for the category Chebex, but yeah. but saved by the fact that the product was was genius and we got some great results. Like Brody kosteki won the weekend. How good. One won his first race finally. Yeah. How good. Bryce Fullwood was in contention for two of the four races to win. Yeah. He's on top ten car, points on car speed. It's yes, exactly. Um Jack LeBrock. Hoff, yes. Oh, three more top tens. How good. So there's so much good going on, but right now it's count the counterbalance by just the real bad stuff that's happening as well. So, uh, if the remainder of the season is like this, we're all going to have bipolar or be bipolar by the end of the season. Cause we're just not going to be able to manage it. Seriously.
0: It's it, crazy. And, and this is the littlest of things, but you're about confusion, even the, even the numbering of the races, like qualifying. The first qualifying was for race three. And I, my, I myself and I know other people saying, well, hang on. Isn't it race one? Why are they doing race three? And then it dawned on us. Well, hang on. It's race, race three of,
3: the,
1: of the year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, but just even little things like that, they, yeah. were, they were just confusing.
1: They've done that for a while though. But but it's, it's it, well, you don't need four qualifying sessions. No. That's a lot of qualifying. You could put yeah. another race in for that. But
2: I'm okay with having the different qualifying because that mixed the grid up a, a fair bit mm-hmm. when you got these other guys up there. But you dropped that pit stop race because- yeah. The pit stops are the gimmick that spiced up the racing in that last yeah. generation of cars when they wouldn't overtake. Yeah. Now we've got a car that can organically overtake yeah. very nicely by itself on the racetrack. You don't need to have that gimmick there. No. Like you said, just make it sprint races and be done
1: with it. And back your product. And and it's and it's like the f- fuel drop, isn't it? It's you don't need that anymore. Mm. Just, just let them go. If they run out of fuel, they run out of fuel. That's a strategic thing. It's good. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. It, it's, it's frustrating at the moment, isn't it? Because it's at the same point so good, and then at the same point really, really bad in some areas as yeah. well. So, um, they need to find a happy medium and and be happy with that. But um, yeah. Wow. We should mention round one of the Porsche Peter Dixon Carrera Cup as well. Exciting
0: racing there. They got caught out with the rain also. Also, yeah. Wow.
1: Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday didn't go to plan, but uh, really? Friday, Saturday, races were pretty wild. So, um, and well done. Jackson Evans first, uh, Jackson Evans, Jackson Walls.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, on his first round win, uh, Maxi Vado was quick again. There was some real promising signs up and down that field um, for a competitive season ahead in Career Cup. So, didn't that field look good though? Yeah. It's a yeah good. Even guys yeah. like Ryder Quinn yeah. Yeah, on his first Very round. Like, that impressed me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a good little talent. So Callum Henge was super quick. Um, and even the oldies, you you um Darwood was very competitive all yeah. weekend. Wally was quick, so yeah, it's um it's a funny round that for Crow Cup because they now don't race until June at Hidden Valley. So the the championship massively back ended, then. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, which is gonna be great, but um that's gonna be a, a ripping championship once again.
0: Quellsey six hour coming up this weekend, Easter weekend, as it
1: always does. And it's time that we probably have a look at it. Uh, Yeah, Shebex, it's one of the great events on the calendar. It's laid back, uh, relaxed, old school Bathurst spec motor racing with a massive field and all sorts of cars and stars and, and a really interesting car race coming up this weekend. But the thing I love, Shebex, about the six hour is that as well as having the likes of Marcus Ambrose, Will Davison, Anton Di Pasquale, Tom Randall running, it's a race that opens the shop front of Bathurst to a whole lot of people that have only ever wanted or dreamed of being there. And I'm delighted to say that our guest this evening, I think it's fair to say falls into that category. He's one of Australia's best motoring journalists uh, and races on the side, but this weekend makes his debut in the high-tech oils Bathurst six hour. His name is Tim Robson. He joins us on the grid. Robbo, good evening. Welcome. You're going to race at Bathurst, mate. How are you feeling?
4: Good evening, gentlemen. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, fair to say, cat in a hot tin roof nerves. I've already <laughs> packed about four bags and unpacked them and repacked them. Buying all sorts of unnecessary crap. I, I am. <laughs> I feel like i I feel like I'm 14 going on my first holiday. It's out of control.
2: So, uh, Richard alluded to it, and this isn't a question. It's a statement. You're racing against Marcus Ambrose.
4: <laughs> I am. How exciting is that? Oh, I, I, it, it's a genuine. Like I've known Ambro, I've known Marcus for a, for quite a while. Uh, given the background of, of auto, automotive journalism, Auto Action is sort of in the in the uh, in mm. the past history. Uh, Marcus actually used to join us on some of the magazine uh, trips that we did for Motor Magazine way back in the day. So I know just how terrible he is at. Uh, at postal tube cricket, if you know what that is, in the office you'd, you'd get the old postal tube, you'd get a, a small rubber ball, and you'd have a bit of a contest. Now we know that Marcus is pretty competitive. Uh, he organised a quick world cup of, of uh, postal tube cricket in the uh, accommodation down there at Wakefield Park, and uh, yeah, it was it was quite so no good apparently. He, 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 there was a little bit of bat and ball taking and going home. Now I'm, I, I don't know how much I can say because I might get a yellow Mustang <laughs> <laughs> <In the door. laughs> ranging ranging large in the in the mirrors but uh look yeah I genuinely genuinely thrilled I was already thrilled to race you know yeah in the event itself and then to hear you know, will Davison and and uh, anton davisquale and other guys like that and then, then you put Marcus uh, in the mix uh with my good mate George Mediki as well mm. um yeah just yeah stoked beyond stoked
1: now you're your''re you're racing background so motoring journalist motor magazine you touched on auto action you ran for a while vastly experienced in that field so plenty of time and miles skidding road cars around for the the hero cover shot with all the smoke pouring off the rear wheels but what about your motor racing career what what's that what does that amount to and what's been the prep for this
4: in terms of the career i i started racing very late 90s early 2000s uh, and funnily enough the magazine worlds kind of collided there as well i was a mountain bike journalist uh for a long time but with a side side uh, interest in all things motorsport particularly wrc and and v8 supercars as it was back then Uh, a competition appeared in a magazine called hot fours and you could win a drive a season drive in the Daewoo lanos one make cup and i thought holy crap how good would that be that would just be brilliant so i've literally filled in a coupon in a magazine put it in an envelope, I'm not sure if the kids out there today will know what that is, yeah. and put a stamp on it, put it in the mail and went about my life. I was away on a, on a work trip for the mountain bike magazine, was a little bit out of touch, came back to the airport and, and rang. Again, the kids won't know what this is, on a landline back home. And so, and my wife's like, my God, some person from from this Daywoo series has been ringing the house incessantly saying you've won something. Can you please call him? Because he just says he's going to give the prize away. And I am running up and down the terminal at, at Oahu airport in Hawaii going, I want to come do you. the security guards looking at me going, what is with this bloke? <laughs> so uh, my first motor racing experience, other than some super sprints at Oran park was with the day Lanos one make series as a prize winner turned up. They were still bolting, you know, putting stickers on the car on the truck uh, at, at uh, Sydney motorsport park. And yeah, it was, that was a pretty cool season. And that was, that was the debut. And uh, I, I parlayed that into a few other things. Uh, the, uh, that series Paul Pickett that he who ran it he did mm. uh, mGs and he did lotuses and uh, again not having a lot of uh, money behind me um, I was the fill-in driver there's a lot of TV series etc that needed to have uh, you know grids to a certain capacity um, I wasn't going to crash the car most of the time and uh, so I got I got a Guernsey I got to race pretty much every circuit in Australia uh, that the Lotus is awesome. That was such a cool little car. MG is a little bit different <laughs> <laughs> with the with the hydromatic suspension that changed oh, yeah. every time you went to a different corner. Um, and then yeah, uh, the, the the motor motoring life sort of took over then, and, and motorsport uh, took a little bit of a backseat until a few years ago. Uh, a friend uh, of mine, actually a, a mutual friend of the of the, uh, a few of the categories, John Boston, sold me a, a Honda Civic, and uh, with the idea that my son, uh, who's now twenty one. Uh, we would go and do some racing together, but he found girls and cars and other stuff and left me the Honda. So, that, uh, so improved production in uh, New South Wales has been the uh, has been the thing for the last few years, and I've really, really enjoyed that. And having that experience when I was a bit younger, uh, as an older guy, I don't care so much about the shiny things. And uh, mm-hmm. I just enjoy getting in the car, having a bit of a blast. If I come 13th, 14th, but I've had a bit of a battle, happy days, not too not too stressed. Trophies are good, don't get me wrong. But yeah, having having it having a good time putting it back on the car, nice and straight, and not spending too much money is, is has been awesome.
2: The prize was a season in the day we were last. What was the first prize?
4: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was. It's funny, like sixty they were grand. Good. It was yeah, it was it, it was, was, a, was a really
2: good prize. Mm. But like yeah, back then, front wheel drive one make series, it was that was an oddity. Nowadays, everyone drives a Hyundai XL. It's what you do.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a weird. Thing. It was look, it was a it was cool, but it was weird. It wasn't supported by manufacturers or anything like that. It was it was you know bring bring them rough to people. Um, guys like Alan Gurr, yeah, uh, did the series who ended up into in v 8 supercars and uh, Kevin Mundy. You might remember that name from. He did Konica series a little bit as well. Uh, he and I were were, were great mates, and <laughs> we were sitting around after the first season, saying what we, oh, yeah, what we might do next year, and. And I said, I'm oh, hopefully I can, I can get another on the day with you. that'd be awesome. And he said, oh, I wouldn't mind trying a V8 supercar. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. No worries. Good on you, good on you, Kev. Anyway, March rolls around. He gives us a call says, oh, I'm going to Goldwood next week to do some V8 supercar. Do you want to come along and be the PR guy? <laughs> sure, and good to his word, he uh, yeah. he turned up and did it. So it was, yeah, it went everywhere. It, it supported supercars on a couple of occasions, as I recall. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a, you yeah, know. A real mix of people as well, from from sort of you know, more experienced guys to to we had a few a few females come through the through the group, which was pretty unusual for that time. Um, and, it, and and he moved it on up into the lotuses and the MGs, and and yeah, you know, as motorsport things do, it tends to to fade away. But for forever, there was a couple of the day we we're still in the back paddock at Wakefield Park that you could get a bit of a look at uh, some of the uh, genuine motorsport history of Australia there.
0: <laughs> so how many laps have you cut at Bathurst,
4: Tim? only a handful mate it's uh it's uh, it, there's been a few launches there and I I, I, uh, I had a quick look before 2008 was the first time that mercedes-Benz Australia took over the joint um, which was amazing at the time that was mm. still the era of motorsport shows and sorry of motoring shows I should say uh where the you know where the uh, the budgets were starting to tick up um, but when the st- when the shows started to fade away the budgets were still up there Um and the idea was was born of uh, you know just call, literally ringing the council and saying can we book the entire place for a few days and they agreed and and the rest is history it was it was mammoth I, I remember you know, Will Davison and Jamie Wincup were up there as well sort of almost on the instructing side I was uh, alongside Warren Luff and uh, frightening the pants off him for a little bit um, so and and over the years with, as, as the Bathurst 12 Hour grew in stature um, companies like Audi and BMW um, and Mercedes, of course, took uh, tours up there. So you, uh, you know, Felix Heimgartner, the the guy who jumped out of the balloon, mm. uh, he was he did a, a race, uh, and Audi gave him an R8 to take the journalists around. That was probably the scared, the most scared I've ever been in a race car <laughs> anywhere. I remember that. I, um, I was
1: PRing that event, and that guy was crazy
4: lunatic yeah. he was absolutely like <laughs> i think there was a there might have been a disconnect between right hand drive left hand drive because my god this the, the walls were close on my side. it was <laughs> leaning in a little bit to try and stay away from it uh, lovely bloke mad as a cut snake but lovely bloke mm.
1: so tell us about this weekend uh team car co-drivers what's the plan
4: so Mad Max Racing is the team that I'm joining, and and they've actually uh, made a little bit of an a name for themselves in the last few uh, six hours in Class E. Um, mm. They're taking a Mazda Mazda 3 to the uh, to the top of the top. I think they've won twice, finished second like one on the road, but then were pushed back to second another year. Uh, Dave Worrell is a mate of mine from from Pro Production. Uh, it's all run by Andrew McMaster, Macca, yeah. um, the man of the, the Mighty Mullet and uh it's yeah it is it's it's genuine club sport racing you know it's it's salami and potato salad sandwiches in the workshop on a sunday where we're bolting this thing together with whatever parts we can find and you know the money spent in the right areas not spent where you don't have to at all and you know they know how nervous i am and how sort of Reasonably wound up for so. I, I like to think I'm you know reasonably calm and collected, but I am, yeah, I'm jittery as hell. But they've been there, done that, and bought a couple of t-shirts now, so I'm, I'm pretty happy to be involved with them. They're going to they'll look after me. I, I had a test of the car on Sunday, which was pretty cool. We managed to bolt it together, found a couple of little uh, little niggles. Um, probably not going to be as polished as a Mediki machine, but uh, mm-hmm. it, you know the idea is to get it around there for the six hours. And and as you know, the boys have done, boys and girls have done it before, so that's a that's a big advantage, I think.
2: Being A class car there's gonna be a fair degree of mirror driving there.
4: I think so. Look, it's the it's the uh, it's a BMW 125i. So we 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 joined the, the Rondell ranks of the BMW crowd of, of uh of Bath the Six Hour. Um it's a good little thing. It's uh yeah, it's, it's a straight six, so it's got a, you know, a little bit of torque there. It's uh, it's a six-speed gear, it's just so beautifully easy to drive, which is gonna be a pleasure around there. Looks like the weather will be in our favor, a little cold, but that's okay. Um, and, yeah, look, I think those, those, those top few cars are always going to come through, but uh, I guess they've got to find their way, own way around. Like, it's just going to – it'll affect them just as much as it affects us as they run into the back of us, I guess. So uh, they have to find their way through. But uh, there's been plenty of hours watching uh, reruns of, of six hours in years gone by listening to the dulcet tones of some of the gents on this call. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, just getting a bit of a lie of the land, but you know, everyone assures me that I'm sure it's similar in, in improved production. We all want to put the cars back on the trailer. We want a result. We're not there to, you know, to, to further our careers. Um, we're, we're out for a good time. And I think that, uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, even though it's another race, it's Bathurst and there's always going to have that kind of tinge of, tinge of, of romance about it. So I'm, yeah, you literally cannot wait.
0: Well, Tim, we wish you all the best, mate. Thanks for coming on board. And, uh, talking to us about what is going to be an amazing weekend for you up there on the Mount Panorama, Mount Panorama, the Bathurst track. Uh, We hope it all goes well for you, buddy, and I look forward to catching up again soon.
4: appreciate you. Appreciate uh, me coming on. Thank you very much.
0: Tim Robson joining us here on The Grid.
3: There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid.
0: All right, Tom, to turn our attentions to our Hots and knots for the weekend.
1: Oh, can well, we, I'll
0: go with the first hot for me. Are we starting There's with a... hots
1: or not? We're going to start with, well, hot, I'm right? going to
0: start with the first hot. Okay. And it's the fact that the, uh, the caps weren't touched by inflation. <laughs> they were still $90. I
2: saw a hundred. Kept,
0: kept it last year's price. They didn't go up by so many percent, which was good. I thought that was a hot for me.
2: 400 bucks for a jumper. How, mm. how, how cold do
0: you it? have to be? Fair
2: income is crazy. mm Mm. Someone's making some good coin there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was on the photo duties for the weekend. I've, I've tabulated the stats. I was at the track for 57 hours and 15 minutes. I took 16,719 photos, which uh, turns out to be 4.8 photos per minute over that entire 57 <laughs> hours. <Jesus>. I walked <laughs> at least 75 kilometres, which means there was an average speed of 1.3 kilometres an hour. So Is this a hot or not? Uh, it's a hot because it's a hot. I got to, my, my legs are hot and broken. not <laughs> working anymore. I got to uh, walk around the track a fair few times and, and just run into so many people along the journey, hanging over the fence. It was pretty cool just to see everyone uh, out of the woodworks, everyone was there. It was so cool. Uh, one of the coolest moments for mine was must've been free practice. One formula one shooting back towards the curb at turn nine. So Mm, the cars mm -hmm. there, I'm hard up against the fence. The cars are 15 centimeters away, going 325 Ks an hour. And I took the first photo and I've mouthed a real F yeah. (laughs) And I've sort of could turn to the side. My head naturally turned to the side because it sort of got blasted that way. Yeah. And it, Locked eye contact with this girl and we just had a moment and she yeah. knew exactly what I was going through. But then in qualifying, I went in uh, 10 14, like mm. right in the exit there where the DRS zone opens. Yeah. It's 30 metres past the apex, of the corner. They're going 230 k's an hour, absolutely hard on it. Mm. And I just put the camera down there for a few cars and just <laughs> absorbed that. I think that was... Yeah, you mightn't love the sound of the current Formula One cars, but uh, something God, moving that fast and they're big too. They're yeah. not a small car; they're a massive car, uh, and going that fast so close—that's the sort of experience that you wish you could bottle up and and give to mm-hmm. people. Because that well, was... you would
0: have heard you would have heard then, Mark. What I heard last year, and the sound of aerodynamics—the sound of that air being sucked in through the car as the car goes through it. Did you oh, did
2: you experience that at all? No, my ears had blunt force trauma at oh. that stage. <laughs> I, was...
0: and, and one, and I heard it again over the weekend, and it's just that whoosh, that sort of that air just coming through the car. It's mm. just an amazing sound.
2: Yeah. Mm. Um other hots, uh, the, the track commentary, they had the old channel nine wide Thank world you, of mate, sports. I appreciate that. Yeah, that you were great. Um, they had the old channel nine wide world of sports. Yes, lobster racing. Remember that guy that yeah. used to they had him doing the the little filler bits on the return of the races. I thought that was yeah. cool. Yeah. Um National Sports Dance racing at the Bathurst 1000 and Service Paradise. That's gonna be insane.
1: And stupid. But insane. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yep. whatever. No, you can say that's nuts. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and the final hot I've got down here was a sly little mention I heard in the channel 10 commentary call fairly late in the piece. Uh, when everyone was watching. You know, there's about three million people watching and I wasn't really paying attention, but I did hear the words Nuriupa in the Barossa Valley. (laughs) What a sly little... Put that in there, Mayor Crail. Oh, yes. Are you going to get a discount on your rates this year? What's going on there? Or are you such a good citizen that you're going to pay your rates anyway? Oh, uh, I've already paid my rates for the year, so that's unfortunate. Um,
1: That'll be I... on the media monitoring. They'll know that. They're going to get some severe value out of that. I had forgotten I had done that. And I the reason for those that that might not have been listening or watching elsewhere, I, the, I think from memory the reference was we were talking about the fact that the 1953 Australian Grand Prix was held at Albert Park and it was won by Doug Whiteford and Dougie won the Australian Grand Prix that was held at Nuri Udpa two years later. So I think that was the link. Um, yeah. So there you go. Just to be able to say to... Nuri Udpa. I'm very proud of that. Actually, now you bring it up. Oh, I'd forgotten I'd done that.
2: So you oh. had to talk up. And you're probably going to have to do it this weekend ad nauseum, bang on about how great New South Wales in in the mm. beaches in Sydney and the wine and orange and all mm. that sort of stuff. So I'm just glad you're able to get one back for South Australia. Thank well you, done, well son. Done. Beautiful. Thank you. And
0: for those that didn't hear Richard's commentary at all, if you may have been listening elsewhere or were otherwise doing other things, we've got a surprise coming up for you very, very shortly to finish
2: off the show. Oh, there we? Okay. And also, it's on 10 play. For the
4: it next is. few days as for
1: well. For the next yeah, couple yeah, of days, jump yeah, on sure. 10play.com.au. Um, it expires as you listen to this in eight days. So uh, please go and watch all well, 130 if you're hours. If you listen this you've absolutely stuffed <laughs> <tough, but, laughs> Yes, you buggered. Sorry. But now um, you have to settle for Sky. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I have... Um, there's so many hots, and, but, but I... I, I Just, I need to distill them down into Damon Hill. And they they say never meet your heroes. And that is crap because I've been so lucky to meet a lot of my heroes and they are all great. And now whether that just proves that I've got good taste in heroes, (laughs) um, but I've had the fortune now to work with several of my heroes at that event, as it turns out. And they're just great. And, and I had the great privilege to work with Damon Hill, who's a driver I grew up watching here in Adelaide in, in the 90s at the Australian Grand Prix. And I 100% hand on heart cheered for, for Damon Hill. He was my driver. Um, he was the underdog. He was fighting Schumacher in that cheating Benetton in 94. He got punted out by Shuey. He, he stepped up and led Williams after Senna was killed. And so legitimately one of my racing heroes that, that is fundamental to me working in the sport and then a couple months ago i get a phone call going oh would you you want to come back and work for us at 10. i was like well yeah obviously um and then oh yeah we we couldn't get mark webber this year so we've got damon hill and i fell over and you know who he is he turns out to be an absolute legend shebex lovely lovely human being and and i'm really proud that he had a great weekend and we got a lovely, I don't want to go too beyond the veil here, but we got a lovely WhatsApp message from him when he got halfway back home. And um, and and I'm so thrilled that he genuinely enjoyed his weekend and, and mixing with new people that he'd never worked with before. And he made me from a bar of soap, but um, he started calling me crazy by the time the Grand Prix rolled around. And that was just, that's such a, yeah. a cool thing for a kid from Adelaide who grew up idolizing this guy and he's just a a lovely bloke so i, I can say nothing more than that shebex um it was an, an absolute privilege and if i never get to do it again i'll be able to say that i i commentated a formula one race with with a world champion who's one of the very best there's ever been so very special and and also to, to tommy clarkson who's one of the hardest working people after mark walker that i've ever met mm, um stop it. He um he's superb and and so very good at his job and and our old mate Sam Power who's Mm. just annoyingly irritatingly brilliant um (laughs) at TV despite having no formal training training he was everywhere washed up racing car driver is outstandingly good. He so um, I'm very proud of the product we produced on the weekend. I'll, I'll pull you up. You uh, made a mistake there. You're not from Adelaide.
2: You're from near Nuriupur in, <laughs> yeah. in the
1: Barossa Valley. I'm, Actually, still, I'm still bitter they didn't host the Australian Grand Prix in Lindock that year in the 50s. But anyway. Um, another
2: hot um, the IndyCar race. In hindsight,
1: oh, it was hot because everyone yes. survived. Yes. Oh, it yes. was wild. That was That was an awesome race. Very, very good. And a good drive from our Scotty, solid, P6, not bad. Tough start for Will Power this year. Not great for Will Power, but he'll bounce back. That's all right. No, it was good. That was a good indicator. It was a balance between feeling like everyone's going to have a big crash and not quite everyone's going to have I mean, a big crash. I Rahel really tried. Yeah, but he was avoiding someone else. No, it was good. It was a good indicator Let, race.
0: Let's not give any knots. Let's finish on positives. No, no we no, have I've to give a knots. We I have to give them. knots,
1: I right. so I love your approach, and it's mine as well. But I, I think a collective knot has to go to the track invasion and and the, yep. the premature track invasion. It's not good enough. Um the, the security at the event wasn't good enough. And there were I, I messaged our group chat early in the weekend and said security has literally fallen down. And at that point I think poor old mate was on the ground. And and the traffic management of people was poor and and it took them a long time to get it right. But But beyond that, there's only so much the AGPC can do, and there's only so much a a hired hand at a security company can do when people power takes over and Mm -hmm. they want something to happen and they're going to do it. There has to be a level of personal responsibility around the people that got onto the racetrack while it was still hot. Unfortunately, they're not going to cop anything for it. It's the Australian Grand Prix corporation that's getting hauled through the coals here by the FIA and by the press. And that it was sad that the number one story in the Melbourne media on Monday morning was the track invasion and about how bad it was. So there's a level of personal accountability that people need to take here because knowing the way the FIA operate, they've just banned pit teams from climbing the catch fencing to celebrate a win, right? So this is how they operate on oh, no, a, it might collapse the fence, so we're going to ban it. They could just as easily go no track invasion. And, and then a hundred thousand people that behaved themselves and waited for the right moment to go onto the racetrack will get denied yeah. that incredible celebration of, of the party at the end of the Grand Prix, which is one of the great sites in Australian motorsport. It's like the Bathurst podium. Mm. So there, there needs to be a level of accountability from people. Yes. The Grand Prix corporation could do much better. Yes. The security companies could do better. Maybe we need more police. I don't know, but, uh, but the people that, that jump that fence early need to have a good long hard look at themselves because you you could deprive other people of that brilliant moment that is the track invasion that honor that is the track invasion snipers so on a... top
0: of the grandstand i think does it for me hmm? snipers on top of the grandstand well, picking I mean, them off one by one stopping pretty quickly
1: oh,
2: <laughs> it's funny like there there weren't a lot of security around that area no, where you're you were no right, there wasn't, no, but... there wasn't went over the lakeside stadium as an area where there are no punters and yep. there would have been half a dozen security guards over there
1: twiddling yep. their thumbs it's a, it's a management yeah it's it's a management thing for sure but but there were people jumping the fence to get into the commentary box compound and then sneaking <laughs> around the bottom of the commentary boxes to get out into the demarcation yeah. zone you can't stop that because to get to the back of the com box area you had to go literally go through a food truck like but so you, you, you how do you police against stupidity mm. this is the problem so it's, it's a challenge they've got to face yep. but it has to go in a knot it has to be a knot for the no, event which enough. is a shame
0: it is it is there mark anything from you uh
1: yeah Um
2: uh, nascar hendrick uh, appealed their disqualifications uh the loss of 100 points four hundred thousand dollar fine they were still guilty but they got all their points back $400,000 to Rick Hendricks, what, eight cars sold? So that doesn't really matter. We'll do that in the next three seconds, done. Uh, <laughs> but they got their points back, which is a, a fairly big uh, uh, thing in the NASCAR world mm. and how that all pans out because Cali, Cali Racing have their appeal coming up for the exact same thing. And if they don't get off, the whole world's going to start burning. So that's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to watch. Um, I mentioned I didn't really get that excited about seeing people but I did miss seeing Jessica Fox, you know, the Australian oh, yeah. gold medal canoeist. Yeah. Like, she is my hero, and I didn't meet her. And she was right oh, there no. in the in the Red Bull area oh. next to the media center. I'm sorry. I know, right? No, mm. it was just I, like me
0: not seeing Bert at Sandown last year.
2: Yeah, I know. Exactly the same. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty go, cool. I'll go a, bit, a little bit later. Go a little <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't see Dylan Elcott was there. Ash Barty was there. Mm. I didn't say I saw Nathan Buckley, but I don't really care. I saw Mitch Stark, he was there in the grid, and he's awesome. Saw Kylie, did you? Yeah, Kylie was there. She She's is tiny, little. isn't she? She's little as she looks, actually. Yeah, well, no, tiny Yuki Sonoda. Holy <laughs> smokes! <Yes. laughs> what, what? Yeah, like I blew out at that. Okay, all right, he's small, but then you look at um, who was it? It was Esteban Ocon, mm. yeah. And Alex Albon, they're 186 centimeters a piece. Yeah, yeah. George yeah. Russell's 185. They're bloody giants. Yeah.
1: How do yeah.
2: they fold up? One fifty two or something. He's mm-hmm.
1: 159. Mm. He's <laughs> tiny. And a kid's taller than that. Yeah. M- yeah. Mine. <laughs> <Three-year-old>. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, his uh, career as a Formula One driver, I'm not. I'm not sure that's going to happen for him, mate. I think he's going to in car racing. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right, folks. We're going to wrap it up. Well done, Crowley. Congratulations to
0: you, Mark. Well done to you. Some fantastic photos taken over the weekend. And we're going to leave you folks with a little bit of a uh, thing that Channel 10 have put out, and it's a compilation of some of Crowley's greatest hits from the weekend. We'll catch you next week right here on The Grid.
3: Big in sport, the first ball on Boxing Day, the first bounce of the G, and the start of the Australian Grand Prix. We're away in 2023. Even start the Mercedes is going to go down the inside. Watch for George Russell, and he gets Max Verstappen. The merc leads the race up to turn three for the first time. Alonso looking down the outside now, Lewis Hamilton. The Ferrari's in the mix, the two Alpines as well, and a soft tyre. Verstappen's going to get swamped here. Look at Hamilton down the inside. There's a Ferrari off at Charles Leclerc. He's stuck in the gravel trap at Turn 3. Wild start. The Mercs are 1 and 2 as they run up to Turn 6. Phenomenal start to the 2023 Australian Grand Prix. The World Championship leader is third halfway through the opening lap. The Real World Reality Show delivers again. A sprint to the finish on a Sunday afternoon in Melbourne. Verstappen versus Hamilton. Who gets the best jump? It's the world champion. He gets the Red Bull across to driver's right. He leads them down. He gets through. That's down. Alonso's around. Alonso around. Perez off. Sergio Perez off as well. And there's a car in the fence. You'd think that'll be it. There's an Alpine out of the race. Battle for track position, off goes Lance Stroll as well. Carlos Sainz is going to get a podium out of this. Another flag. red flag. Another no. red flag in no. Melbourne. No. You cannot believe the drama you're seeing here. Oh no. Red flag for the third time today. Both Alpines out of the race. Don't do this to me. Oscar oh. Piastri seventh. <laughs> seventh. Yuki Tsunoda's fifth. And Nico Holgenberg, who has finished fourth three times in his Formula One career, is fourth again. The two-time world champion will add the Australian Grand Prix to his ever-growing list of Formula One triumphs. A wild day in Melbourne goes to Max. Lewis Hamilton second, Fernando Alonso on the podium for the third straight round, and ladies and gentlemen, Oscar Piastri scores World Championship points for the first time in his Formula One career. Mark Webber got his first points here, Daniel Ricciardo got his first points here, and Oscar Piastri gets his first World Championship points here.